Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. This is your host, Stu Jenkins. We're speaking with Cordelia Perry, who is the executive director of the Slow County Builders Exchange. And before the uh, before the break, Cordelia, we were talking about uh, project labor agreements, and you were you were saying that um, they generally don't allow us to have more than five, uh, and what. I think you were talking about was under the uh, project labor agreement statutes, a contractor can um, get core people that are key people that they uh, always have in their in their corral Correct. Um, to work on a project, but everybody else on the project has to be hired from a pool of local skilled workers uh, that might be union and might not be union but the hiring always goes through the union halls under the statute. Correct. Um, I, I guess what I'm curious about, because um, we are slow county public policy and the law here, um, the, one of the, that, that part of the policy that says that all the hiring goes through, through the union hall, uh, that uh, technically is uh, such that a non-union worker can come into the union hall and get the job. Yes. Uh, they're, for the job, they're going to get contributions made to the union pension fund, the, the uh, uh, health and safety fund. Um, at, and uh, most of the unions, I think the, those rights vest within about uh, four or five weeks to that money. So, mm -hmm. so that person is actually going to, uh, assuming it's a long job, like a great big right. project. Right. A three-year three project. A three-year project. Mm -hmm. They're, they're actually going to vest in those benefits. Um, but it, I guess if there's a concern that, uh, the union hall is going to secretly discriminate, uh, against non-union workers who come in, um, would there be more confidence built if the Union Halls allowed an organization like the Slow County Builders Exchange to have somebody in the hiring process monitoring it, making sure that it was fairly run. It would certainly please us that are on the outside of the union. Um, there's a lot that we don't get to see, mm -hmm. and they don't ever reach out. None of the public agencies actually reach out to us that are the non-union contractors to see what how we feel about the project, what should be in the contracts. And it's, so it's, it's the awarding agency and the unions. And well, they, and, and under and the law, and of course, if this isn't happening, somebody needs to call a smart lawyer. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, under the law, there can be no discrimination in the bid process between union and non-union uh, contractors. Correct. So non-union contractors have a right to bid on the project. Just and, and we do, yes. We're, we're not having that issue. The okay. biggest issue for us, um, because we're already all paying prevailing wage, when a PLA is put in there, these employees that are going to work on this project for the next three years, they're going to pay into the, to the uh, benefit package. Right. And this is money that they will never see because they've already got their insurance plan with their company. Well, I'm not sure that's correct. Um, because, as I said, uh, with most of the union plans, there's a very short vesting period for the money that is contributed. Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, they have to go back and, and they have to apply to get it out right. when they are ready to retire. 
Mm-hmm. But or, they have to wait until they retire. Or when they have health needs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so it's a package that most of them will never, never use. And they choose not to sign up for the union. They could. You know, we, mm-hmm. we still very much have that choice. But sure. they choose not to. So it is money that they are losing, that the majority of them, they will never go after those benefits. And they, a lot of them probably don't even know how to get the money back come retirement time. So are you saying that there needs to be a better education uh, package for letting uh, those non-union workers who sign up for the work uh, know how they can access? Yeah, because otherwise, you know, in our world, it becomes legalized wage theft is is how we kind of view it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is PLAs, unfortunately, are landing on more projects. We don't like them. It costs, you know, $500,000 just to implement a PLA in many cases. So there went the tax dollars unnecessarily when they could have a construction consulting company heads the big projects anyways. When you talk about it costing 500000 to set up the PLA, uh, that you're it's, talking about uh, the, the government entity or the contractor? Um, the administration of the PLA. So you've got your contractor yeah. and then you have the administration group for the PLA. So it's just an added expense on top of the project. And, you know, $500,000 is probably a, a, a drop in the bucket to the size of some of these projects, but it's still taxpayers' dollars. Oh, yeah. I was looking at your uh, list of bidding, and, uh, you know, some of them were in the uh, very easily in the 3 and $4 million range. Correct. Yep. For uh, projects in Avenal. Yeah. <laughs> of all places. Of all places. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, the, the projects are big, and we're a small community. Well, we are. And, and I think uh, for our listeners, a project labor agreement, uh, the statute is designed if a city council or a, uh, a county uh, appropriately negotiates it mm-hmm. so that the, everybody who is eligible to, say, uh, work on the project who lives in the city, they have first dibs on a job. Yeah. And if it's not well negotiated, uh, you know, everybody who's eligible to work on the project in, uh, you know, five counties of, San- of California can come in and, and get a job. Correct. Uh, the idea was to spur economic uh, activity in a city or in a county uh, by giving the workers in that region first dibs on the work. And, you know, when it comes to that, we do not have an issue with mm-hmm. that. But it, it does need to stay local. When when we don't need them coming in from five other counties yeah. to take our our jobs uh, and monies. All right. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about recent changes in the law. Uh, that you know we've had huge changes in state policy concerning building housing. Uh, it used to be that uh, cities could say. No residential in an industrial zone. Well, the state has changed that. They've said the city has to allow residential in an industrial zone or a commercial zone. Uh, city, cities are no longer able to impose parking requirements uh, like they used to for residential construction, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if, they're clo- if the residential construction is close to a railway or a regular bus uh, route public transit route. So have, have you seen uh, at the Builders Exchange uh, any increase in the amount uh, and opportunities for building housing in the area? Um, we, we certainly have. We have a lot of housing projects going along, uh, you know, the San Luis Ranch, uh, I believe it's the Avila Ranch, and there's another one that slips my mind. And 
but they're usually on the outskirts of town right now. Um, we have had some. We had a, an apartment complex not too long ago. It was actually uh, land on Broad Street. Yes. And it became a, it's, it is a commercial industrial area, but we have the two-story, three-story apartment building there. They're adding on. And it was also built, the land was owned by the unions. They sold it to the city. And the, the um, little carrot was you hire, make sure it's all union workers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a pro- property owner's prerogative, I think. Right, yep. <laughs> um, so uh, we, we are growing, and they are doing a lot of the commercial downstairs, apartments upstairs. And we're trying to get a big project downtown. And, and what big project is that? Oh. Or c- can you let that out of the bag yet? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, that is one thing I've noticed is that um, in, spite of, in spite of all of the uh, expansion of opportunities to build housing, I've uh, talked to a number of contractors, sometimes just walking down the street, chatting with them, mm-hmm. and they tell me that, yes, they've done everything uh, the way it's supposed to be done, They've got it all set up. They're halfway through their project, and uh, this or that city agency or county agency is suddenly uh, dragging their feet. Nobody can get an answer on on one specific aspect of the project, and they can't finish up. Correct. Is, is that a problem that your membership is starting to uh, yes. have to deal with? So um, right now I have a, a member. He's doing a project in uh, Ventura area, mm-hmm. and permitting used to take nine months. What's it's it taking now? Three years. Three years? Three years. And so in the meantime, the cost of everything on that project has gone up. The owner is, is ready to pull the trigger, let's go, let's go. And then the contractor has to come back and tell them, you know. Well, and the contractor has bid on it at a specific price, and now if all the materials and labor are going up, yep. they're in and a it, world of hurt. Correct. And it falls back on the owner. And we, we keep trying to get them to streamline some of these uh, permit process, but it's falling on deaf ears right now. Well, folks, we'll be back after this short break. Uh, we're here with Cordelia Perry of the Slow County Builders Exchange. Stay tuned. <laughs> 